the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I really hang on to the words of God to Abraham. When God said this, I will make you a father. Did you ever notice those words? I will make you a father. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And as a reminder, you can always turn into the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You're most welcome to be our guest, either online or in person. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko brings you the first portion of a message entitled, I Will Make You a Father. That's I Will Make You a Father, and we hope you enjoy it. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Let's pray. Father God, it's in weakness we come at times. Some of us overwork here, others don't. But Father, we need the right mix. Somewhere between Martha and Mary in our lives, we must live. Help us to get that right, all of us. And Father, I thank you in the love of God for Jesus who gave himself for us. Help us to know you as Father and friend, and out of that, serve you right. And Lord, help us to realize that in our faithfulness to you, we're showing you how much we love the cross you died on for us. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you. Amen. The title of my message this morning is, I Will Make You a Father. I have lived at times in my life with the fear that I could not be a good father. Dads, you ever thought that? You ever worried when your first child came on? Will I make it? Will I be a father that communicates right things in God's way? And I've also learned that after having raised two adult boys, I still am not done with that. I must be a mentor and a prodder and a father you know, the pun not intended there, prodder father, till the day they're gone, or I'm gone. Because a father never stops being a father. In that context, I've learned that we are all sojourners in this crazy world we live in, and we're all in a journey to meet the father of us all. We're moving down a road, and at the end of the road is Father God. We will face him in the judgment day. But the amazing thing is that God's not just at the end of the road. The God we need is on the road. When Abraham was moving from east to west, he built an altar in the middle of the journey because God finds him. God meets us in the middle of the road of our life journey. We don't find God as the destination. We find God getting there. God called Abram out of Ur. The Bible is a story of calling people out. Abraham was called out. Israel was called out. The great Advent movement in 1844 was called out. 
there will be a final calling out in the fourth angel's message of Revelation 18, 1-3, and so on. God will have a people that are called out, faithful to the Word of God, faithful to Jesus at the time of the end. God called Abram out of Ur, the land of light, literally. And God called Abram to become the one man through whom he would bless the whole world through the promise and through the Word of God and through the Savior that would die for us. Genesis 12, 1-3, take your Bibles, Bible in your hand, it's just the best way to go. Verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, kind of bluntly, get out of your country. (laughs) Get out of your country. He could say the same today. Get out of that place you're in that is messing up your relationship with God. He could come to you directly and say the same thing that he said to Abram. Get away from that television set. Get out of that entertainment room where you lose the relationship with God. Get off the internet. Get out of your cubicle at home that keeps you away from coming back to church. Get out of your country from your family. That's an amazing statement. You realize you can have good family members. You can have bad family members. You can have family members that want to drag you down and ensure that you will not get to God's kingdom. And it's okay to separate from family members who don't want to go to heaven, who don't want you to go to heaven, who are wanting to keep you away from the things of God. And he says, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And then he says, look, I'll get vigilant in your behalf and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That is how it all got going. God intervened after the flood with one man to create a family line, a family system, a covenant connection that would embrace the whole world with salvation and grace. God called Abram out. The text says, now the Lord had said to Abram, in the book of Genesis, this is not an ordinary event. It is an extraordinary event. In Genesis 2 and 3, the Lord spoke to Adam and Eve to warn them and to save them after they fell into sin. That's when God spoke in Scripture. In Genesis 4, the Lord spoke directly to Cain to try and save him from his sin path he was on. In Genesis 6 and 7, the Lord spoke to Noah to save his family from the flood and to bless them forever. So when God speaks after creation, he's in the business of saving people, intervening in their lives to make a difference. God's word is meant to come to us and speak to us so we come to God. The last time the Lord spoke to anyone was at the Tower of Babel, here in the context moving up toward Abram. And there, God spoke to himself and no one else because those tower builders were not in the business of listening to God's word. They were all about themselves, their plans, their schemes, their grand and lofty tower, whereby they would conquer the universe, become star lords, so to speak. Genesis eleven six, 6, Revised Standard Version, the Lord said, The Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. I think the tower builders are a lot like Elon Musk's dream of taking the starships that he's building to Mars, to colonize Mars, to make us an interplanetary species, an intergalactic species. He lives and breathes. Everything Elon Musk does, the richest man in the world, is to get us off of planet Earth onto another planet. That is his vision, his dream. That's what drives him. Even the Tesla car, he drives with that vision of getting us to Mars. Now, what would it be like if God had a people on the face of the earth who lived and breathed to get us out of here into heaven for the second coming of Christ? 
If we had the same enthusiasm, instead of getting the worst kind of leaders that are just politicians, we would go for the spiritual geniuses, the people who are humble yet committed to the Bible to lead us as a people. That we would focus on strategic accomplishment of the work of God and planet Earth. That we would reach out instead of guard the faith from the unfaithful. We would open it up to those who have never heard it. We would have a vision for the coming of Christ in our lifetime. You know, Elon Musk doesn't have it right, but he has a lot of things right. If we had the entrepreneurs for Christ in our generation. So the Lord spoke in judgment at the Tower of Babel because the arrogance of the tower builders is incompatible with the simple humility of the scriptures. And the tower builders wanted to make a name. We talked about that in previous weeks. The word name in Hebrew is Shem. They wanted to make a Shem, a name, Shem for themselves. They wanted to unite the people into one powerful people, a new world order that could do anything without God around anymore. We will do us. And they say, let us. And that's the language of Genesis when God creates man. Let us. They chose to unlock, we know from Deuteronomy 4.19, that they chose to unlock the evil spiritual powers of the host of heavens. So it was not just a scientific engineering enterprise. It was a spiritual world religion enterprise to conquer heaven itself, to worship the host of heaven and harness the power of supernatural beings. They wanted to come together on their own terms. They wanted to wield the power of the gods to get it done in their own way and their own power. And the great world religions were born out of Babel. What did God do when God was speaking to himself because he couldn't speak to them? They didn't want to hear him anymore. God scattered them and they got nothing done without God. Because without God, dear heart, your best plans, your best efforts, your best righteousness gets you nowhere in life. The key two phrases in the Tower Builders' Rebellion are statements found in Genesis 11, 3, and 4, when they said to themselves as if they were God, Come, let us make bricks, let us make a name for ourselves, come, let us build a city. The Tower Builders are makers, doers, and boasters. They're using the language when God said, Come, let us make man in our image. Let us, let us, we are God. They wanted to make for themselves a future, a name, and God is not in the picture. In the Genesis narrative, God never speaks directly to these tower builders. In the Genesis narrative, Noah was the last person to hear the Lord's voice speak directly to him until centuries passed. And the nations formed out of Babel, the great were religions formed out of Babel, demonically inspired. And God finally broke the silence of dead centuries to speak to one humble man named Abram. Abram is called in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 7, the friend of God. How many of you like to be the friend of God? I mean, not just to have God as your friend, but for you to be his friend. I hear this music sometimes, oh, the Lord is my lovey, lovey friend kind of thing. Trivializes God. I'm telling you, music that trivializes God is not good music. God wants you to be his friend on his terms, not yours. He wants lives in subjection to the word of God, in obedience to Jesus, loving him, following his covenant, obeying his will, growing in obedience and grace and love and service for others. Abram was the friend of God. And God broke the silence of centuries to speak to Abram so Abram could become God's friend and an awesome friend at that, a father God for him. Abram's name in scripture can be derived from two words that together mean exalted father. 
The name Abram can also be derived from the Hebrew verbal root word for Eber. It's the root word for the Hebrews. And it means to cross over. It can mean some other things. In the latter case, Abraham's name could mean to be strong, to protect, like an eagle's wings, protect the weak or young, or to cross over, like when you're leaving someplace and going another. What is amazing here is that God broke the silence of centuries to speak to a man who would become his trusted friend and the model father of us all. God chose his friend. Have you ever had time in your life you just hear God speaking to you? You knew it was God saying, this is what you got to do. You ever had that? And it was like a life-changing moment or an important moment. And you followed it and it made all the difference in the world. Abraham had that moment. He listened. What is amazing here that God spoke into the silence of centuries to this dear man who became his friend and the model father for us all. God chose his friend Abram to become the exalted father who would forge a strong faith that would protect his people till the end of time. Abram is the father of us all if we have faith like Abram's. That's what Paul says in Romans 4. Now, unlike the tower builders who wanted to make a name for themselves, God called Abram to go to the land that God would show him. God said, I will show you. God said, I will make you a great nation. God said, I will bless you and make your name great. He said, everything those tower builders want to do on their own, everything those tower builders want to accomplish on their own, I will give it to you as a gift. I will make it happen in your life. I will pull it off for you. God implies that they could not do the impossible without him. They might attempt it, but they would never achieve it. And yet God is saying with me, all things are possible. I will do for you what these optimistic tower builders have envisioned, but it will be on my terms, my way, for the good of the entire world. So at the age of 75, Abraham left the land of optimistic tower builders so God could build a future for him. A future that would tower high into the sky and reach the stars, not through starships, not through towers, not by conquering spiritual forces and forcing them to do what you want them to do, but by submitting to God and thereby becoming a child of eternity. Hebrews 11:8. by faith Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive in his inheritance. Now think about that. When the Lord speaks to you in life, he's not just talking to you. When God calls you, he's calling you to obedience in life. Am I right? Obey. Now, I had little children, and sometimes older children too. My wife's a precious mother. She would say, I want you to obey. I'm your mother. Is that a good motivation? Now, it works between 1 and 12. But about 13, 14, and 15, this word pops into the mix, why? Right? And then when they get to be 18, 19, and 20, no. Right? But then when they get to be a little older, tell me why you said that. That's when wisdom sets in, maybe in the mid-30s, 40s. And then, hopefully, when they get to be their 50s and you're still around, that made so much sense, Mom. So life is a journey. You don't always get what you want in parenting your kids. But look what it says. By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place, which was to receive his inheritance, and he went out. He went out obeying God. When God calls us out of the world, he calls us to obedience, to submission. But notice what it says. He didn't have all the answers in life. He didn't have it scripted out. It says not knowing where he was to go. He didn't know the future. Therefore, he had to know God. 
He didn't know the outcome. Therefore, he had to have a faith relationship in the journey. Therefore, God was with him. And that's the way we must live. When Abram arrived in Canaan, he started looking for God. And God appeared to him at Shechem at the Oak of Morah. In Genesis 12, 7, God appeared to Abram, no doubt in the form of the pre-existent Christ. And God promised Abram through the pre-existent Christ that he would give the land of Canaan to both him and his descendants. Abram had his ups and downs in life, but one haunting fact dominated his 25 years of an uncertain life after he arrived in Canaan. And that fact was the paradox of his name, Exalted Father. His name meant that he was an exalted father, and yet painfully, he couldn't have any children. Imagine being named Exalted Father, no kids, old man. Everywhere you go, my name's Exalted Father. Imagine with me Abram showing up in the local tavern at Shechem. Local tavern at Shechem, Abram comes, he saddles his mule to a post, walks in to get a drink of fresh water because he didn't drink the stuff that would make you lose your morals like the Canaanites did. And as he's sitting there sipping on his water, some old arrogant chieftain comes up to his table. He says, hey man, who are you? We will continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you would like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that at the close of our broadcast today. You can also attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in streaming format on that website. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentanko in today's Reaching Your Heart. He says, hey man, who are you? And Abram answers back, my name is Abram. And the chieftain replies, that's a home run kind of name. It means exalted father. Tell me, how many children do you have? Pull out your wallet and show me their pictures. As Abram holds his cup of plain cold water, and I don't see my water here today. I would have used that as a good illustration. This is probably what Abram drank in the tavern. Let me get a swig of it here. Zabram holds his cup of plain cold water in his shaking hand. I better not shake it or I'll spill it on my Bible. He answers back with a whisper. I have none. I don't have any children, but I'm married to a beautiful knockout woman named Sarai, and we're trying our best to have children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that old chieftain then replies, maybe you should drink some of my stuff and try a little harder, old man. Then he slaps him on the back and walks out. I'm sure that every time that question was asked of Abram, he felt two cents tall in the local tavern at Shechem and 150 years old. Prosperity and wealth are no substitutes for children. He was wealthy, but he had no kids. In time, Abram and his nephew Lot had to separate because they had too many flocks to stay in one place together. God was setting Abram aside and isolating him in order to produce the holy line of the Messiah through Sarai. So providence was in the mix in that separation, but Abram didn't know it at the time. Paradoxically, it is true that Abram's nephew Lot, how many of you like the story of Lot? Isn't that a funny story in the book of Genesis? Abram's nephew Lot contributed to the holy line. Most people don't realize it. Abraham is in the line of the Messiah, but so is Lot. Abram's nephew Lot contributed to the holy line through his two daughters unnamed, who had Moab and Ben-Ami, by him through incest. When they got him drunk at night after their mother was turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back to Sodom. And it's an awful story. If you read the book of Genesis, alcohol is a bad thing to mess around with. 
I once talked to someone who knew a professor at a university I used to go to in our denomination. The university professor, he's not there anymore, who was a prominent minister was arguing for the virtues of social drinking. I can't think of any virtues of social drinking. In my family, it's wrecked my grandfather who died a drunk. I struggled to get out of it as a young people. I've seen one life wrecked after another. Yeah, you may be able to pull it off and pretty much be normal in life. But guess what? You're giving your kids an awful example if you're doing it. Because you may have a child who's genetically wired to be an alcoholic. And that's the case. You've just set them up for destruction in their life. I mean, there was a day when our children learned temperance based on the word of God that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I would say that we must call ourselves to integrity as parents and we must call our children to be a great generation. If you read the book of Genesis, alcohol is a bad thing to mess around with. Noah did it and Ham raped him. Lot did it and his daughters did the same to him. Lot's daughters were morally compromised because of the influence of Sodom and Gomorrah and alcohol. Lot was compromised also when he offered his two daughters to the evil men of the city who wanted to rape Two angels who look like men. I mean, how do you think like that? Maybe he was socially drinking. I don't know. Maybe that's why Lot's two daughters got him drunk in the night so they would have children through him. The oldest daughter had a son by her father Lot, and she called him Moab. The youngest daughter had a son by her father Lot, and she called him Ben-Ami. He's the father of the Ammonites, Moabites, Ammonites. God in time, this is the amazing thing of the story, God in time incorporates this messed up, family of Lot into the line of the Messiah. Why? Because God cares about all kinds of families. He cares about the family that has its act together, like Abram's family. And he cares about the kind of family I came from that didn't have its act together because God wants to bless and save his children from all places. And that's why the church should be full of families that are stable, families that are unstable, families in the middle. Because when families come to church, families get saved. God in time incorporates this messed up family of Lot into the line of the Messiah because God cares. How does he do that? Ruth the Moabitess. Remember the book of Ruth? She's from Moab. Was introduced into the holy line of David when she married Boaz. Remember that Jesus is the son of David through Boaz, through Ruth. Also, Solomon fell in love. Do you know what the name of his bride that's most likely the Shulamite in the Song of Solomon? Does anybody know? Naamah, the Ammonite. And that Naamah means fair or beautiful. In the Song of Solomon, he calls his lovely bride pleasant, beautiful. He uses the language of Naamah. Naamah was the Ammonite bride that became Solomon's special bride. She is in the direct line of the Messiah. See, so God has a way of taking people who've really messed up in life, who have done the most awful things you can imagine, and helping them reboot their life through grace and love through the gospel so that their lives matter. The holy line is not a line we would have constructed. The holy line is God's will for people's lives. Both of these women, one from Moab and the other from Ammon, Lot's daughters, are ancient mothers in the holy line of the Messiah that comes via Abram's nephew Lot, Hooking up with the line of Abram again. They come back through Jesus. However, we should never forget that God promised Abram that through his son Isaac by Sarai, later called Sarah, the promise was given that would eventually lead to the coming of Jesus, who is the Savior of the whole world. The promise came through Abram, through Sarah. One night God took Abram out and showed him the sky full of stars. 
And he spoke to him in his fear. And he said, can you count the stars? Those tower builders wanted to harness the host of heaven, according to Deuteronomy 4.19. He says, but look up there. Can you count them? And that's how many children you're going to have. You can't count them. I'm going to take your faith and I'm going to make so many faithful people out of you that you won't even be able to number them. Your children will be like the stars that cannot be counted, Abram. And Abram believed the Lord and the Bible says God declared him righteous. Genesis 15, 6. One of those verses we need to underline in the Bible because it's the first time in the Bible God declares someone righteous. And so ever after, you can only be righteous in this way. It's the first principle of things, the proto-Genesis principle that when something happens for the first time in the Bible, it's significant, it becomes the pattern for later activity. So let's look at the verse. He believed the what? The Lord, Yahweh God, the Lord. And he, that is the Lord, it should be capitalized, the Revised Standard Version doesn't do it. He, the Lord, reckoned it, thought literally, thought it to him as righteousness. Looking at his belief that he would trust God, imperfect faith though he had, Using his mustard seed of faith, God said, that man is righteous, I declare him righteous. Now, when we exercise faith, a little bit of faith, but we do it, and we say, I'm going to trust you, even though I don't feel like it, God declares us righteous. doesn't say he knew a lot of theology, he just trusted God. God has a way of bringing families together to save people, even if they have been through a whole lot of hard times because of their own bad decisions. You see, when a family member says, I'm going to trust God, my life's messed up, I'm on drugs, I've been struggling with this and that and the other thing, my marriage is coming apart, I'm a narcissist, whatever it is, but Lord, I'm sorry, I trust you. At that moment, divine grace justifies that person. Sarah, in time, wearied in spirit, got tired of waiting on God. She was a strong-willed woman. She wanted to make things happen in her life. She was getting older. She'd been following Abram with his pipe dreams. Nothing happened. God didn't speak to her. He spoke to him. And so I'm going to help my husband pull it off. Well, we hate to leave it there, but we have run completely out of time for the first portion of I Will Make You a Father. We will complete this message the next time we get together. And thank you so much for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, the address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you are certainly welcome to join us online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.